going where no teen has gone before. Goodness, where's that? That's right, we're a Riverdale recap podcast here to talk about chapter 110, Things That Go Bump in the Night, uh, written by Gigi Swift and Ryan Terrebone, directed by Gabriel Coria. Where don't teens go? Retirement villages, I guess? <laughs> well, if they're volunteers. Okay, so where don't they go? My home. And you better stand if you know what's good for you, mm, you teens. You teens! So, this uh, episode, we don't start with Jughead narrating. What? It's weird. He's like the fourth or fifth person to, to talk. Yes. Instead, we go to Cheryl mm -hmm. chatting it up with Heather. Yeah, we, we find out what Heather was doing during the time skip. Uh, <laughs> uh, her mother died in a tragic accident shortly after they moved to Greendale. And then she spent seven years working as a librarian, which means she got a job as a librarian one year out of high school. And, and you, She was a 19-year-old librarian. I mean, you won't be an official librarian. but She can, was. You she can was. work at a library. I feel like she's lying about her resume. <laughs> Also, I would like to um, tell Cheryl, the, the reply that you give when uh -huh. someone tells you their mother died is not, how gothic. <laughs> That's not it. You well, say, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's so sad. How are you doing? Oh, that's awful. Not that. <laughs> well, this is their uh, holiday episode for National Goth Day this past week. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, Heather wants to hear about Cheryl, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, is, is she attached to anyone? And so Cheryl, of course, talks about Tony, and she talks about Tony like they weren't in high school the whole time they were together. <laughs> also that they, you know, were had a very healthy relationship, which, like, no, sometimes it was fine, but no, a lot of times, not good, not good. You... <laughs> you said out loud in your own words, yeah, I've been gaslighting you for a while. Well, you don't want to lead with that when you're meeting your old crush who you're hoping to hook up with. Be like, you know, I'm kind of a shitty girlfriend. I mean, I, I understand why the time skip was seven years. I, under, I it, it made a lot of stories possible. But the way that they didn't fill that time with anything for a lot of characters like yeah her her one great very serious relationship was 18 months in high school seven years ago seven years ago and that's the only relationship she has to talk about what are you doing how are you living your life <laughs> yeah cheryl's the biggest character that we don't know what the fuck they were doing that whole time Chillin'. Like, it's it's just implied that she was living a, a hermit's life up on Thornhill. For seven years. Just keeping her, her entire self on pause until plot happened again around her. Well, you know, she's not going to go to anyone. They need to come to her. Apparently. And so, of course, she has to inquire about Heather, who's mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Get, had some little flings here and there, nothing serious. Uh, but she's like, you know, it's almost witching hour. I gotta go catch the midnight bus back to Greendale. 
Um, so the buses do run in Riverdale again. There yes, we go. There's at least one, well, two buses, I guess. Things are getting better. <laughs> um, but, you know, Cheryl doesn't want her to leave. So she's like, oh, wait, hold up. You're a librarian. You know, I was thinking of turning Thornhill into the town's own private library. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's talking about that all the time. This is like the fifth episode it's come up This in. is really, uh, you know, she's really been moved about opening a private library. Um, it's been a cornerstone of her characterization. It's, it's just all she talks about. It, There's like no other plot. It's absolutely not an ass pull just to make her, her childhood friend stick around and talk to her more. Uh, perish the thought. Instead of, I don't know, being like, hey, you want to just, like, sleep upstairs, she's like, I'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, okay, if you're going to suddenly turn your home into a privately owned library, you could at least offer the girl a bed to sleep on. Yeah, yeah. But she can I mean, borrow your pajamas, like, come I on. I respect Heather for getting what's actually happening here because if she thought she seriously meant it the response would be oh if you've got any questions just text me you've got my number yeah yeah uh so so meanwhile over at pops uh tabitha is filling jughead and pop in on the fact that uh her request for historic landmark status was denied mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we can only assume that percival does have friends in albany oh, because yeah. it seemed like a slam dunk like, yeah come on yeah get things reminded to us that you know pops is riverdale's soul and like we mm -hmm, we gotta mm -hmm. we can't let this happen and tabitha has an idea to buy time so, so then Betty at the FBI office is talking to a character we haven't seen in quite some time. Agent Drake. Agent Drake of the, the X-Files Leather Jacket Club. Yes. Cool FBI Agent Drake. Yes. Uh, and Betty is, you know, filling her in on the fact that, you know, her mom helped her dad hide a body under the table and it's, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. everything's fucked up. Agent Drake is Betty's first work friend. Wasn't the other agent kind of a work friend? She could have been. She could have been, but they only talked about work stuff. Betty and Agent Drake have been developing a relationship off screen to the point that they talk about their personal lives a lot, and it's not a thing. And all I can think throughout all of this, which will be a prediction, is Agent Drake wants to get in Betty's pants. <laughs> oh my god. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, oh my god. Uh, and it is very clear when she's like, you know, I think you need to get out of that house. Do you have a boyfriend, girlfriend that you can stay with? I mean, that you can stay with, like go and, stay with them for a while. If not, you can come live with me. And when Betty answers, she does have a boyfriend. Agent Drake does have a bit of a look, a bit of a, a flash of something in her eyes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But Agent Drake has officially transferred to the Riverdale field office. To help with TBK. Because, yeah, it's TBK headquarters, apparently. You know, the, the X-Files totally dealt with they paranormal did a things lot and of murders. Serial kill. They did a lot so of murders. It, they're just going in line with that. Scully, have you heard of the knife alien? Yes. Yes. Is Agent Drake... And Dr. Curdle Jr. gonna have, like, a morgue off at some point. Oh, man, they gotta she, meet. She's gonna be like, I can go do this autopsy. And he's like, oh, hold up, what the fuck? I bet they collect the same set of trading cards. Josie trading cards? <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, actually. Uh, but I, I do enjoy Betty's line when she's talking about, you know, her family issues, so to speak. Uh, uh, that's the Coopers. Apple pie served over an unmarked grave. <laughs> at, yeah. at least she's enjoying herself. Yeah. 
so Archie um has Bingo. Bingo. Bingo is not dead. Bingo did not get lost. Bingo still exists. It's time for Bingo to take a walk. And uh, Betty- this this episode is just a whole lot of characters we have not seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tabitha's back in town. There's a big Tony Fangs uh, uh, subplot, and now here's Bingo. Bingo, and it's not the end. Mm-mm-mm. So Betty comes in the door, interrupts walk time uh, to say, "Hey, can I move in?" And Archie's like. Yeah. I mean, you basically already live here. You just yeah. go next door to, like, change. And Bingo says, woof, woof. <laughs> He's so cute. <laughs> He's so fucking cute. Why is the dog not in the show more? <laughs> so, uh, Fangs and Tony are talking with Janet, the uh, social worker, talking about how Kevin is still pushing for custody and, you know, they've got some pluses for him, but also some minuses in their case. And Fangs helpfully offers, like we're gangbangers? Yes. Yes. And then we have to dive deeper into, Fangs is such an awful character. He's such a bad guy. <laughs> Fangs is apparently currently unemployed, except for part-time bartending at the small business he and his uh, uh, co-parent run together. And then he's not there he He's watches the baby as yeah. a stay-at-home dad and apparently some judges don't like stay-at-home dads and he doesn't have a break in his work history because before all this he worked as a truck driver but this is bad this is bad that one of the parents is watching the baby and they have income because the other parent has three three jobs are we up to three jobs three jobs three jobs yeah like what I hate everything about this plot. <laughs> it's not great. Everything. It's just all at, fucking sucks. At least Fangs isn't incredibly violent for, for no good reason. This is true. That's, this is true. That's not part of what we're doing to Fangs this week. If anyone is being attacked here, it's family court judges for their personal biases. Well, yeah, I mean, that is problematic enough on its own. Like, that is, that is a real problematic thing. But. But. I'm just like. He's a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> Except when it's his shift to bartend. And then she stays home. And then, yeah. Or like, grandma. Grandma. Like, what? Like so many other babies being cared for by two working parents. Their giant support network. Yes. <laughs> the whole village is raising this baby, as the legend foretold. This, yes. This baby has their own personal FBI agent. Yeah, and a biker gang. And a biker gang. They love the baby. It only got kidnapped once. <laughs> and they found it. Tabitha goes to Archie with her idea on how to stall things out, um, buy some time. And that is, her idea is to break down Pops and yes. move it to other land. Yes. And rebuild it. What does this mean for the White Worm? They are going to it, have no roof. The White Worm is in the fucking basement. <laughs> and they, okay, let's just throw this out there. They don't fucking address that at any point in this no. entire fucking episode. No. <laughs> and like the white worm is still just like fucking operating. The, the well, last... like Pops is getting torn down. When this came up before, Percival gave Tony an assurance that the white worm would not be harmed. They, they the would... train will just go over it. Yeah, they would. That's fine. They would just like plan around it. And everybody knew that was a bullshit thing to say. And Tony's like, yeah, whatever. Like, like I can trust you. Now we're just kind of rolling with it as if that's a fact. 
that's a thing that can be done without any uh, major concern. I was just, what? <laughs> what? And Art, so Archie's like, hell yeah, let me get my crew together. This makes complete sense. He still has a crew? He has to get them together, so no. Okay, okay. But he, he used to have a crew. He's on good terms with the ex-crew. Yes. Arch Andrew's construction still works, still exists on paper. Yes. Okay. Tabitha's like, well, we got to hurry because he's planning to bulldoze it in a couple days. That's what Percival said. And Archie's like, yeah, well, he sucks. <laughs> he's not wrong. No. Why Why is Archie's, like, comebacks, though, like that of, like, a 10-year-old boy? Hey, he hey, sucks. Hey, Percival. Hey, hey. Fart. Your mom farts. Your mom farts. Your mom farts and then she smells it. What if, what if this is how they defeat Percival Pickens? <laughs> Archie, Betty, Jughead, Tony, Tabitha, they're all on bikes yeah. riding around Percival Pickens in a circle and they're just chanting, your mom farts, your mom farts. <laughs> and he just gets so and he angry. Just he just dies. He gets so angry he dies. <laughs> All right, prediction. <laughs> <laughs> that one's going down in the books. Jughead finally starts talking to himself. <laughs> uh, and that's that he has writer's block. I guess th this is why he didn't start it. He had writer. He didn't even know how to start the episode. They had to go on without him. He's narrating all the episodes because he's writing the episode, so he couldn't start narrating because he has fucking writer's block. It's transdimensional writer's block that's also affecting the the bunker Rivervale Jughead that's creating the world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So instead, he's becoming a rubber band marksman, quick drawing around his little writer's nook. I didn't know it was rubber bands, so I thought he was just going pew, pew, with like <laughs> finger guns at like shit in his room. No, he's doing the like wrap around. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes more sense than him just going pew. Not much more sense if you think about it. I mean, it's something to fidget with and not just go like pew, pew. But he is, uh, but he is rescued from from his uh, indecision uh, uh, by Veronica of all people, who texts him to to meet in her office. Yes, this is a strange team up we don't get. Not very often. I feel like we mention it every time it happens. Yeah, and we don't have we to don't mention it very often. She calls him in because she's like, "Hey, Reggie's being a dick." Have you heard of mentalist acts? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he's like, hmm, I have heard of money, and I'm pretty sure that's what you're going to offer me. She's like, okay, so we're going to do this act. You'll read some minds. We will make money, and we'll split it 60-40. And I'm waiting. I'm waiting for it to be like, and also, you're, uh, this will get you know the board members to come to the show, and you're going to tell me where they stand on such and such things. Doesn't come up. No, she literally just wants to make some money. This is just a way to, to bring in uh, some, cash. Uh, some cash. Some paying ticket-holding customers. And Jughead's like, okay, sure, but it's 50-50, because I'm not an idiot. Mm -hmm. And he will only read the mind of, like, willing volunteers from the audience. No, no Nobody who doesn't want a, a little brain poke. It's good that he can control it that much, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he's been practicing. Yeah. Uh, so Archie has got the crew, uh, together for a meeting, and he's like, hey, it's been a minute. 
But he lays out that this is a union job with union benefits. You know, uh, he's paying into pension funds, full, like, uh, injury and disability insurance, time and a half overtime. The boys are all just so happy to know that this one has money in it. They're not even going to question the fact that they're tearing down and rebuilding Pops. They're just like, okay, okay sure. Okay, yeah. Money. We're, we are a construction crew that is being used as movers. All we see them do in this show is movers. They they put a couple screws in the wall. I, yeah, they well, put they unscrew things... some shit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's about it. Fangs is there, a whole bunch of people we don't know. Uh, and so... But yeah, the only important one is Fangs. It's Fangs. And the absence of Frank. Yes. Archie's running this one solo. Yes. Uh, so Fangs goes home, uh, to Tony, and she's, uh, he's like, you know, hey, aren't you putting a crew together? I joined. Tony's like, oh, we should probably talk to Janet before we make any life changes. Like, getting a job? <laughs> like, another job? Like, she was just saying, oh, man, I don't know if it's enough that you, like, stay at home and have a part-time job. So he went out and got a job. Mm-hmm. And now we're saying maybe that's not okay? <laughs> what? Boy can't win. T- Tony just wants to be sure that they they aren't being rash, while Fangs has had his masculinity insulted with the idea that he's not a breadwinner, therefore he's not really a father. And he should be insulted, but I don't know if this is the way to go about it. He should be insulted by them also questioning that being a father who takes care of a baby isn't enough. Because he was. That That yeah. is insulting. That's insulting. Yeah. Betty goes home, and uh, now we see... Two other people we haven't seen in a long time. It's Juniper and Dagwood. They're alive. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and they're they playing. Haven't, they haven't aged enough that they're played by different people than the last time we saw them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Still the same children. It's just earlier in the season. It's been a long time. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, but they have a cat. They have an adorable little kitty named Butterscotch. Oh, it's so sweet and fluffy and I want to touch it. Uh, and Alice got it for them mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, they are just so excited to play with it and play with its tail. And then Betty sees an aura around, around. Dagwood. And she's like, mm, you know what? I'm going to borrow Butterscotch for a little bit. Make sure... You know, got the shots and whatnot. I'm I'm just gonna go. Just gonna take this cat. She just backs away slowly from the murder baby. I mean, we've thought that they were murder we babies. We always knew they would be murder babies. I've been waiting for them to murder. <laughs> the only surprise is it's not both of them. So Archie uh, arrives at Pops with his crew. Mm-hmm. And they start dismantling. Because Pops, Pops Chocolate Shop... If you haven't seen the show, or you haven't seen set photos, it is festooned. It is absolutely covered in in bric-a-brac and kitsch, like scale mail upon the walls. There's so many photographs and... and Photographs, there's a pop bobblehead, there's decor, there's neon signs. Why does the bobblehead of Pop Tate look so sad? I don't know. (laughs) Is that how Pop Tate wants people to remember him? It's very sad. But so as they're they're doing all this, uh, the gumball machine falls for no reason. I mean, it could be all the heavy stomping, shaking the floor of a. Those things aren't particularly stable. Gravity does exist in Pop's chocolate it, shop. It looked pretty stable and pretty uh, heavy duty. I mean, that thing was definitely from like the forties, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it is definitely made in a way they don't make them anymore. It is sturdy. It will. 
It is made so those gumballs are protected from nuclear war. 100% lead construction with asbestos moving parts, yes. <laughs> no radiation will get through. It's fine. <laughs> well, except for all the radon they have in the paint to make it really pop. Uh, and so everyone's like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> so Betty is talking to Agent Drake. Yeah. About how she got rid of butterscotch. She put it back in the shelter from whence it came. No more butterscotch. I'm very I'm, sad. I'm so pissed about this. You could have taken that cat home. And we could have had cute scenes of the cat cuddling bingo. Yes. You could have asked Jughead to watch that cat. Jughead would love a cat. It would be, can you imagine that little kitty curled up as he's writing? So fucking cute. Yeah, you, like he, he just like throws off his flannel and the cat makes a bed in it next to him while he's writing. Oh my God. There are so many options other than taking the animal back to a shelter. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like what the fuck, Betty? I'm very pissed about this. You could have had a cute cat. But this isn't what Agent Drake cares about. No. <laughs> Agent Drake is very interested in the idea of what does and doesn't twig Betty's murder vision. Because this is the scene in which she learns about murder vision. Yes. Because Betty's like, so, um, what would you say uh, if I, like, could suddenly see auras that people were bad? Because I can. That's a thing. She's like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, totally. That's, like, definitely a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I... We have cases on this all the time. It's totally fine. Why isn't this show about Asian Drake? <laughs> this show could have been about Asian Drake for six seasons. Why didn't Betty get Agent Drake's job? <laughs> yeah, yeah. She should be working for Agent Drake, not the other way around. Like, yes. She should have transferred to the, the Drake office. Uh, so Betty shares, like, she, you know, she, she sees the aura of evil people, but she, like, doesn't see TVK's aura. Though obviously he's evil. And so they just start to try to figure out, like, why. And they thought, well, maybe he's got the gene. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, is, is Dagwood also got the gene? Is he, like, a killer in the making and whatnot? So they have this idea, but they don't have nearly enough evidence. Yeah. We've, we've got to get genetic testing on these two twins to see what's up. And Drake's like, hey, do you know a doctor who would do that? And the look. The look Betty gives of like, oh, do I? <laughs> so the, the twins go to see their godfather, Dr. Curl Jr. <laughs> and they rush in and just start playing with all his shit in the morgue. <laughs> they are children. <laughs> and he's like, so are these the subjects? And he like snaps his latex glove like, where are you getting their DNA from? <laughs> just swab their cheek, you freak. What's they might have murder spit. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, he was just dealing with Veronica, who could, like, kill anyone by spit That's and true, touch. Yes. So he can't be too careful. He can't be too careful. He don't know what these crazy people are bringing into his home. He lives in a hermetic bubble now, just in case. <laughs> um. So meanwhile, Heather's back at Thornhill to do a, a, a cleansing spell for the new privately owned library in Riverdale. Yeah, yeah, she's smudging the place with sage because that's something that happens every 109 episodes on this show, like clockwork. Uh, and so uh, Cheryl's like, you know, I've dabbled in witchy things. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. this just like turns Heather the fuck on. She's like, tell me more. Yeah. Gotta know. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, come on. Heather mentions, you know, that, that she's, that she practices Wicca. She worships the goddess Hecate. I'm sure she has an Etsy store. An Etsy store of like crystals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. 
What was Heather doing during the the, uh, seven-year time skip? Well, she was saying a lot of interesting things on Tumblr about the uh, uh, ethical sourcing of human remains. (laughs) At Pops, it Mm -hmm. is pretty empty now. They've cleaned all most of the stuff out. And uh, Percival comes in. And he's like, hey, I want to come check on my property and, like, um, see if any of you guys wanted a job. Percival Pickens is dressed like a roll of scotch tape. (laughs) What's yellow? Double-sided? He's the double-sided. I think yellow is the double-sided. That is very specific. And very accurate. It's very accurate. Um, But, yeah, so he's like, hey. Uh, so Frank here is my foreman, and what we're gonna do is offer higher wages, and, like, we're not union, so you don't got any union dues. You want to come, like, work for us? And everybody's like, huh, huh, huh. I mean, the only person to stand up and take that job because he's in such dire straits, uh, family lawyers don't come cheap, is, of course, Fangs. Because, also, he's the only one with a name. That's two reasons he's the one. I will throw out Fangs. It might look better that you do have the union job. Yeah, you, you'd look established in, in a field, in a, in a trade. Yes. But, like, okay, I know this is in conversation with the earlier scene where we did talk a lot about benefits and such, but that that doesn't come up now, that in the moment of choice, the only thing that a union does is take money out of your pocket for dues. Never mind the fact that, like, unionized workers make far more uh, base rate than their dues. You're still coming out on top on the margin. I mean, not in this case because it's the way the specific fiction is set up, blah, blah, blah. Percival has a lot more money in his pockets than Tabitha and Archie does. But I'm just saying that if... Uh, uh, if you're actually union with, like, an OSHA certified company and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That I expect uh, the argument to be presented better by a show written by and produced by Union Labor. Yeah. I mean, at least some of it. We've heard some of the stories about what happens on this set. I mean, how many times has KJ Appa nearly killed himself falling asleep on the road driving back from set? But... He's also, like, nearly killed himself punching ice. That was his own fault. <laughs> just gonna say that. Own fault. I just expect the argument to be made in the scene in yeah. a stronger way than associating non-union labor with the bad guy. That's yeah. not enough. Yeah. That's not enough. Yeah. I'm disappointed. Uh, so it is time for the Veronica and Jughead show. And they are having a great time. <laughs> so Veronica comes out all decked out. Mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. being, you know... The lovely assistant. Yeah, the lovely assistant. And sings. Just a little bit. I don't know what she sings. Do you know what she sings? I don't know what it is. So the song that Veronica sings comes from a musical about a mechanical fortune-telling machine. Oh. So check out Ride the Cyclone if you want to really understand all the deep soundtrack lore to Riverdale. So it tells the story of members of a high school chamber choir who perish in a faulty roller coaster called the Cyclone. That's how I want to go. Each tells a story to win the reward of a mechanical fortune teller, the chance to return to life. Why isn't this the, the musical episode? Like, right? Because uh, it's not, it's too off-off. <laughs> too off-off. <laughs> way, way off, way off. <laughs> They'd have to spend half the episode explaining the, the source material and they never get to their own stuff. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, she sings her little ditty and then she, uh, everyone's very impressed and, and, you know, claps and whatnot. And then she introduces the seer, seer of the South Side, Forsyth the Fantastic. And so Jughead is there in his fancy, old-fashioned uh, uh, tuxedo with his little tails and he his, not monogrammed, but but Blind- embroidered blindfold. blindfold. Oh my goodness, he looks so sharp yeah. and old-timey. Yeah. So they have the whole thing where like a guy comes and like writes down a number and he's blindfolded. and A like- six-digit number, <laughs> like an impossible-to-guess number. <laughs> But Jughead guesses but it. Of course it, he does. And everybody is amazed. It's fantastic. This is all of the act we see. It's I, always get. I'm so pissed. I'm so disappointed that we don't go back to the act later in the episode. Because both Jughead and Veronica are having a great time. It, it is so fun. I want <laughs> so much of it. And I think why we point out whenever these two really spend time together is because they seem like they'd be... Really good friends if they they ever had a chance to hang out and do stuff. Yeah, because they're they're both just the right amount of dangerous to like uh, uh really get up to some shit, but pull themselves back before they it really goes to shit. Yeah, you know. Well, and that's the thing is like I kind of love how he's like, yeah, okay, let's do that. Let's make some money. That's fine. And also because there is no, like, romantic energy between them at all. It's all buddy energy. Really good buddy energy. Yes. So back over at Pops. Yes. The the moving truck that they had, like, filled with shit. All the bric-a-brac. Is completely empty. Yes. Yes. And they think that it was stolen until... Tabitha goes back into Pops, and everything is back in its place. Exactly where it was before, as if they filmed this first. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they could have just left all the stuff in boxes. No, no. They could have. No, no. Uh, they could have. No, it has to all be back. <laughs> and Tabitha is absolutely convinced that this was Percival, so she's going to go tell him a piece of her mind while everyone packs up everything again. Yeah. Yeah, so so Tabitha just marches straight down to, to the oddity shop and, and finds Percival at the desk because everybody is a small business owner in this town. Everybody's a small business owner, and we're saving everything by privatizing all the public institutions. First the school, now the library. And you know what? Unions, they're just taking money out of your pocket. That's Riverdale, baby! Uh, so... <laughs> So that's where Tabitha finds him, and she does indeed give him a piece of her mind, including smashing an urn on the ground. I don't know how many years bad luck that is, like two or three? I don't know. It depends on who's inside. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if it's nobody, because it's just like broken shards, there's no ashes. Then there's no bad luck. No bad luck? It depends on how much that ghost is going to haunt you. Okay, but if it's like the inventor of the mirror, oh, you are screwed. Oh, you are so fucked. You're so fucked. But if it's like, I don't know, the remains of a chicken, it's fine. Okay, okay. Tell me about the person who's cremating chickens. They had a really wonderful pet chicken named Harold. Uh Uh-huh. And did this chicken live in a shack? It did. Was the shack numbered? Yes. (laughs) How would you describe the coleslaw portions available at this shack? Stupid. (laughs) You know what how, I've always wanted to do? A thimble shot of coleslaw. How do that you, just, just hits the spot. 
How would you describe this bit to anybody who doesn't uh, uh, go to Chicago. regional Chicago chicken stands? I'd say impenetrable. impenetrable. That's the word I'd go with. Yeah. Yeah. Let me just tell you, Harold's Chicken Shack is some good shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Except for the fucking coleslaw. What the hell? It's seriously like they took a little plastic container that's the size of like a thimble and was like, here you go. No, no, it's not that small. It's it's the little, little uh, non-dairy creamer that, that they have in the dish at a, at a brunch place. No bigger. No bigger. <laughs> that's your side of coleslaw. Like, I know you can purchase a side of coleslaw. Like, what does that look like? Or does it come in the same size? I have questions. There's one way to find out. Back over at Pops. Uh, the jukebox just starts playing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It starts playing an Ella Fitzgerald song. And uh, a couple of the guys are like, oh, well, let's go over and move that without <laughs> unplugging it. And then they're really surprised when one of them gets electrocuted. This is the jukebox fighting back for years and years of being forced to play What's New Pussycat. It drove it insane. But like, ser- seriously, they're like, he got electrocuted. This awful thing happened. I'm like, dude, you didn't fucking unplug it. It was lit up. It was playing music. And you're like, let's just move it. We're doing construction. Do we want to switch off the breakers? Nah. Like, what the fuck? But, hey, it's it's okay. They got full benefits. So, uh, Dr. Colonel Jr. Uh, calls Betty and informs her that the girl has the gene, but the boy does not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so this, as a data point, perhaps, perhaps people who have the MAOA quote-unquote serial killer gene like Betty are immune because of the, the certain, like, enzyme that it, that it codes for. Yeah. So, like, they need to test this theory. And their idea is, okay, that random guy at the hospital. The, the and, hospital stabber. And Cheryl. Let's test them. Because mm-hmm, I've mm-hmm. seen auras around them. Even though it was Abigail feeling the murderer. Yeah. Feeling the murder feelings. It was Cheryl's body and Cheryl's enzymes in the yes. end of the day. Yes. And Betty's also like, hey, you know what we gotta do? I gotta get the twins away from my mom. So, gonna go kidnap them. This whole uh, uh, hypothesis really is predicated on the idea that uh, uh, Juniper was also feeling murdery. We just couldn't see her feel that. Maybe she wasn't. You ever think of that? No. It's the Coopers. (laughs) Everyone thinks murder. We're all feeling murder all the time. Veronica is reading the Riverdale paper, which they are front page news about their act. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when Reggie comes in and he demands a cut of the act. Yes, because he has blackmail. And what he wants is, yeah, a slice of the ticket take for Forsyth the, the Fantastic. Not the the gambling take, not the, the drinks, not his job back. No, he just wants 20% <laughs> of the act. And if he doesn't get that, he's going to tell everyone that Veronica put the hit out on Hiram. And he's like, that's going to ruin your life. And I'm like, I don't know. I think people might say, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Let's give you a key to the city. (laughs) Yeah, I don't don't get this plan. But Tony comes home Mm -hmm. uh, and she's like, hey, Fangs, whose car is that out front? Like, I guess you do because like no one ever 
has friends visiting and parking on the street? Well, she knows all of her friends' cars. Well, okay, the next door neighbors. Mm-hmm. Unless they, like, have a driveway, which from, like, looking at Riverdale, not a lot of these people, places, like, really have driveways. But... But the answer is, that's mine, babe. I put a down payment with the signing bonus for my new job. And she's like, oh, Archie does signing bonuses now? And he's like, no, Percival does. And she's like, what the fuck? He's controlling minds. He's like, yeah, I know Archie told me about that, but it's fine. If I just think about baby Anthony, he won't give me the brain control. He did kidnap baby Anthony that one time and nearly get him killed. But it's okay. It's fine. I need the money real bad. I hate this. I hate this so much. It would be fine if he was, like, actually getting, like, brainwashed to do this shit. The the biggest problem I have with Fangs this week is that, yes, you believe, and rightly so, that man stole the baby you're doing all this for. Yes. You shouldn't have to be reminded of that, and when you're reminded of that, you shouldn't blow it off. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Everything else Fangs has been, he's been a man who of, like, (coughs) integrity. Mm. In, in his way. He's been like, I, I know who my friends are. Like, let's remember. And I know who's harmed my family. This is like why he ended up in jail. Why things are going so bad. It all leads back to Percival. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. like Percival controlling Kevin and all this shit. And he's just like, oh, it's fun though. He's going to pay me money. But he he is uh, uh, feeling enough bravado, I guess, that like... With uh, uh, Archie's little helpful handy tip, he believes that he is immune to the devil. Meh. Meh. So over at Thornhill, uh, Heather is reading uh, Cheryl's cards. Yes. Doing some tarot. Doing a five-card tarot reading, of which we get three. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So the first card shows that there's uh, a new ability or power. The Queen of Wands. Uh, And then there's the two lovers. Uh, enough said. And then there is the tower, which is a dark card, promising carnage and war. And Cheryl's like, welcome to Riverdale. Like, what? And that's the end of the scene. We just get a little joke at our own expense. Like, yeah, things are fucked up here. That's how it goes. Should I be concerned? Like, that's what happens. I got magic. I want to smooch you. I live in hell. It's fine. <laughs> you don't need the other two. A really quick scene where Archie and Tabitha are talking about the guy that got electrocuted by the jukebox. And Tabitha's like, and well, Archie's like, oh, the wires must have been frayed. And she's like, nah, I had it serviced. It was in perfect condition. This can't be like faulty thing. And I'm like, can we focus on the fact your employees are idiots who move shit without unplugging it? I think they are exonerated shortly. Yeah, but I still think this is a concern. I have, I question their abilities. Um, so Jughead has been able to start writing again, and he is yeah. working on his comic. I mean, that's that's a very relatable thing. Like having a new creative outlet can really like it can clear the blockages in your others. And so he is writing and drawing his own comic book that I believe my theory is. Mm-hmm. This is his imagining of what life might be like if he and Betty hadn't drifted apart after graduation. Oh. That's what I think this is. Oh. Because it is a comic about a young couple who love each other very much, that have been together for, uh, uh, like, 
only one panel is in focus. Yeah. So the number I'm about to say is our best guess from a very fuzzy screen. Yes. But they've been together for 17 years? Some two-digit number. First digit is one. Yes. Uh, uh, so either like a seven, you thought maybe a two, but I don't think it's a two. But yeah. Yeah, but but this lady that it's about graduated summa cum laude from college, but now she's in the PTA. And so like, yeah, we've got high school sweethearts making a life and a family together. And one of them is a very intelligent and accomplished blonde. And the other one likes pancakes. <laughs> So yeah, I think there's some weird, like, not getting over your high school ex thing going on. I mean, he and Cheryl should talk, too, while he's uh, hanging out with people he doesn't hang out much. Uh, but he is interrupted by Veronica texting him uh, to come on over. And she fills him in on how Reggie is going to blackmail her. Uh, and he's like, you know, this is why I never liked the guy, even in high school. <laughs> and Veronica agrees, yeah, he sucks. His mom farts all the time. <laughs> so she's like, so your your brain powers, can you like erase minds? Not his entire mind, small though it may be. Just just a part. Just the part where I ordered a hit on my father. And Jughead's like, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, I thought so. I always wondered about that. Pretty but, much everybody you know, thinks so. This is not effective blackmail. I mean, everyone kind of knows, but like, I'll see what I can do. I'll do some research. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also kind of love this. That he's just like, yep, yep, you know, it's a g- I was in a gang. We all do things. It's fine. I was a king of a gang. <laughs> Tabitha uh, is going to Pops, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which is supposed to be all empty. Um, but she sees the lights on and people inside. And she's like, what the fuck? And goes inside. And as soon as she opens the door and is inside... The lights are off. There's no one in there, but there is a steaming pot of coffee. Ghost dinner service. Woo. And the jukebox is on. 24 hours of spookiness. So she goes to Archie and she's like, you know, I wouldn't say it was haunted if I didn't see ghosts. And I talked to my grandpa and he said a lot of people died there. And I'm like, yeah, you, no shit. you knew this. You were you there. Knew this. You knew a lot of people died there. Why do we keep forgetting that a lot of people have died there? How do we keep forgetting this? <laughs> Why is this always new? And Archie's like, okay, well, a lot of my crew like quit. Because of the haunting and also the money. But, like, I'm sure I can get them back and we can take care of things. Mm-mm. We're just going to keep doing the same plan harder. <laughs> so he calls Frank, Uncle Frank, to come have a drink with him in the White Worm that is fully operational under the empty pops. Yeah, sometimes people ask what all the banging upstairs is, but it's, it's not a big deal. And after they order their drinks... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? The white worm should be keeping bar hours, right? Yes. What does it mean to have Pops closed for a night when Pops is the way you get into the local bar that surely is not closed that night? Did they build another door? Did they build a back door? I mean, didn't they have a back door? Because isn't that like how like Veronica like escaped after she killed that guy? I guess. They built it for fire code and then used it for setting guys on fire. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so 
we have a wonderful moment of product placement here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so Archie is sitting with Uncle Frank at the bar at the White Worm downstairs. And he's like, Frank, don't worry about it. Drinks are on me. And then he holds a white shine Visa card straight up to the camera. Like, like. Perfect center frame. Like, wasn't he holding it like. Yes. Like, how would you even describe that? The way you hold cards in commercials for cards. Yeah, like, look at this. Like, not any natural way that you would hand off your card ever. And and he says to uh, uh, the bartender who isn't Fangs, it's not Fangs' shift. And it's not Tony. Anonymous bartender, here's my chime card. I hope she wouldn't cut it up. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? You douche. Uh, and so Archie's all like, you know, my dad wouldn't like this. Like, he wouldn't like that we've grown apart and like that we're not working together for pops. And Frank's all like, he was an idealist. And he's like, you know, he was a lot, we can disagree on a lot of things, but I know you love Pops, and I know you love Andrew's construction. Look at this picture of you and my dad when you were children. Look at it. Look at it. Young little boys, baby Frank. One of them has a construction hat on. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because, you know, Andrew's construction. Uh, Again, the two loves they share, Archie and Frank... Locally owned small businesses. (laughs) The only force for good in the world is small business owners in the world of Riverdale. And so he's like, can we put things aside until we can get this job done? Saving pops. There was an idea that civic engagement was a a path to to, uh, uh, righteousness and and progress. But uh, uh, Percival was able to completely co-opt that immediately and then dissolve it. So yeah, the the only bulwark that, uh, against evil that matters at all is everybody's personal LLC and that hustle grind set. Yes. Betty is filling in Drake that neither Cheryl nor Trevor have the gene. She also, in the previous scene, we didn't mention it, Betty also told Drake how scared she was of the, the twins in their vulnerable state being influenced by Percival Pickens and like, what the fuck does Agent Drake care about local mayor Percival Pickens? Why is she, what does she know about this guy? And what does she think about him? She must have, like, the weirdest, like, thoughts. I'm like, why is everyone obsessed with this guy? Like, what? <laughs> they talk more about how, like, the gene, like, is a blind spot. And, like, now that we know, maybe it will, like... She'll perceive auras differently because her brain will, like, rewire. Knowing is half the battle, as they say. And the other half is your endocrine system. She's like, but, like, that's enough about all that. Like, how's living with your boyfriend? Uh, Agent Drake is involved in all sorts of things in Betty's life. It's weird. It's a little weird. weird. Uh, So Tabitha goes to Cheryl and Heather. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. she's like, tells them all about the ghosts. And they're like, ah, yes. Ghosts. Heather mentions her her sort of occult studies and that she's familiar with with this sort of spiritualism and and can perhaps do something. And Cheryl, eager to have a date night, uh, uh, just sort of squeezes in to say, perhaps we both can help. How? How? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Moral support. 
support. You're going to set the ghosts on fire? Is that what you're going to do? She was a cheerleader. She knows how to encourage. <laughs> B, possessive. Spectral, possessive. possessive. <laughs> that was just for you, dear. Thank you. So uh, they're at Pops, and mm-hmm. Heather does a spell. Girls' night at Pops. Yeah, Heather has prepared a spell to address the ghosts and bring them out. And it's a good thing their names rhyme to make the spell work better. It's a good thing she knows who their names are. <laughs> Thanks, Pop, for remembering the people who have died, who are not like the people we knew about. Yeah, yeah. These, these are, are different dead people. Four brand new dead people in the history of Pop's Chocolate Shop. And their rhyming names are Mona Mitchell, Gilda Snide, Marcus Lee, and Jenny Bride. Yes. They're even rhythmic. <laughs> well, do you need that for the spell? <laughs> uh, the ghosts appear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gilda, who's the waitress, speaks for them all. And she explains that they are there because they must bear witness to the battle that comes. And they must protect this place because it will be where the final battle is. Ghosts just want a rubberneck at Armageddon. That's all they want to do. And they're like, well, we're just trying to, like, move it because Percival wants to build his train. Like, train? He's building a train. That ain't good. Yeah, yeah. uh, Gilda, on behalf of all of the dead, tells them that, that... Uh, if Percival is building the ghost train, that is a, a terrible, terrible thing. Basically, he'll get all the power and he'll be able to take over. Yes, yes. The, the ghost train delivers a lot of unholy uh, occult power to whoever controls it. Yes, whoever drives the train. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, th- you're thinking... <laughs> you're thinking about the Warvy gals. <laughs> I, every time you think about a train, <laughs> you think about what other you think about how Vernon T. Waldrop is bona fide. He is bona fide. Getting thrown out of the Woolworths, I know it every single time. She's at the five and dime buying nipples. <laughs> That's it. You got hit by that train. <laughs> Kablooey! Nothing left but a grease spot on the L and M. I can't. I can't hear trains without it. You just can't help yourself. You can't not think of trains either like that. Because of you. (laughs) Entirely because of you. I've been riding trains my entire life. And when I look at one, you know what I don't think about? Holly Hunter. (laughs) I also can't think of toads. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Brother Rothar, it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's so good. So good. The first movie to be given a, a digital uh, uh, post-process uh, color grade. Fucking love that movie. I can quote every single line from that. We'll movie. be here all night. Well, well, we'll be here for what? About a hundred more minutes than usual. <laughs> so. So they get this info dump from Beyond yeah. the Grave. And uh, Tabitha says to herself, "Oh, this is starting to make sense." And Cheryl, Cheryl replies, "Is it?" <laughs> Is it? <laughs> is it? Hey, what? And I love that just like Heather and Tabitha are like, ah, oh, yeah. So Cheryl's like, what? <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, and, and 
so the last bit of it is like Tabitha's like, okay, well, we just need to like tear down Bob's and like rebuild it somewhere. And the ghosts are like, well, it can't be broken down for long because then they'll disappear yeah. and then they can't be witnesses. So like, if you're gonna do it, you gotta do it fast. Mm-hmm, gotta mm-hmm. do it fast. You know, before the ghosts expire. Well, the second time. <laughs> um. So Alice comes bursting into the FBI. Like, how could you, Elizabeth? Because she has found out that uh, Betty has taken the twins away. Where are the twins? We have no idea. Pet shelter. Probably. I guess she's reunited them with their beloved butterscotch. Yeah, yeah. They're they're going to be adopted out to their forever home. Uh, (laughs) There is no no no-kill shelter in Riverdale, unfortunately. (laughs) So uh, you better snatch them up quick. Betty is like, you know, you're not in the right headspace. There's evil in that house, and I'm trying to protect them. And this just sends Alice the fuck off. Oh, you mean protect them from me? And she does just... This This is the true return of season one, Alice. Yes. Like, every other time, and we've it's been happening a lot, like, step by step to this point through season six, we've been getting closer and closer. It's been kind of sad. It's been kind of tragic. But this is just a flurry of of guilt trips and just monstrous cartoonish bad moms that, that we've been missing for Madge and Amic all these years. Yeah, and she's like spewing that, you know, love was never enough for you, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you always uh, had all these villains, but maybe it was you, you were the villain, you're the bad person. And as she's like spewing all of this at Betty, Betty sees Alice's aura. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I think what makes this more effective than the previous, like, returning to form, original Alice, uh, uh, is that it comes right after, like, you buried a corpse in the dining nook, Mom. Yeah. Like. (laughs) And you lied. And you lied about my genes. And you, like, didn't protect me from dad. And, like, all these things. You got no room to talk about shit. Like, it's. She's just impotent because there's the words have no power for, from anyone who's, you know, able to take a step back. Whether Betty can in this moment, it is still her mother to be seen. But as a viewer, you're just saying bullshit. This is fun to watch now. Yeah. She she storms out and I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I'm going to go with the twins are at a shelter. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe they're with Nana Rose in the new hay room. What do we do with problem children in this town? We send them to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. They're not around anymore. Kids are into bed. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They're into bed. Tabitha goes to Archie and she's like, hey, can we set up the new uh, pops in the El Royale? Um, This might mean that it's haunted for a while. And he's like, yeah, sure. But she she makes sure to insist that this is a temporary solution. We're going to find a real place for for it to go soon to not interrupt, quote, the pops continuum. Mm. The pops continuum. Uh, And so uh, Frank comes in and he's like, you know, Archie, you were right. Your dad would want us to save pops. And this this picture really reminded me of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, So he's going to get some of his guys together that, you know, used to be Archie's guys. Uh, and they're they're gonna come and and they're gonna help call in they're gonna call in sick to uh, uh, Percival, but I'm pretty sure Percival doesn't have paid sick days. Come on, guys, come mm-hmm. on! But but they're they're gonna work with Reggie too. 
Okay. So imagine, imagine you're one of Frank's guys that's coming with him on this yet another job. Uh-huh. You have worked with Archie to pack up stuff and put it in a truck. Yeah. Worked with Frank to unpack stuff and take it out of the truck and put it back where it was. Now you're working with Frank and Archie to pick up the stuff again and put it back in the same truck again. Frank didn't put the stuff back. Then who did? The ghosts! The ghosts? It was the ghosts! I thought this whole time it was Percival and his boys' sabotage. No! Like, he actually did not have anything to do with it. It was the ghosts! I think that's ambiguous. I think it was the ghosts. For, like, what a, were Frank and his guys and Percival's guys doing then? Well, okay. Nothing. In in the scene that's like coming up mm-hmm. where they go to to pack it up. And they're like, hey, Archie, I thought you said like we had to pack it all up. And you're like, oh, I thought I did. And like, because everything's like outside of it. Like there's boxes neatly packed, the booths, etc. And Tabitha sees the ghosts on the step. Yeah. That is implying the ghosts did it. They packed it all yeah, up. They did it the second time. I don't think they unpacked it the I first time. I think they did it the first time because they were protesting that they couldn't move, that pops couldn't be packed up because that was before they communicated to stay like, no, we have to be witnesses. You can't tear down pops because we have to be here. See, if the ghosts did that, then there's no smooth line of escalation for what the ghosts do. If they didn't, then it's gumball electrocution, we're with you now, we're going to pack up all the stuff, and this is a big reveal of how capable of doing things we are. Whereas uh, uh, if they did do it, then that, like, curve has a weird kink in it, and what the hell was Frank and Percival doing this whole time? I, but I think it makes sense, though, that the ghosts were doing it. I think it was meant to make us think that it was Frank and Percival. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that Frank and Percival are getting involved. Spoilers. Involved now. Like. Yeah, yeah. Frank's not actually there for the right reasons. Because they suddenly have a different plan. They're suddenly doing a different plan. Their whole plan was just to pack it up. Mm -hmm. Not to rebuild it. Frank's not there for the right reasons makes me think of a very interesting season of The Bachelor. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you do for a living? Oh, I I, I run my... uh, Unfortunately, deceased brothers, a uh, construction company. Cool. What'd you do before that? Classified. I killed a lot of people for money after the war. I mean, Percival plays stupid, like for a lot of stuff. <laughs> but it's when Tabitha came in to like yell at him and break his shit and break his shit. He didn't actually have that much to say back to her. He normally has a lot of witty lines and quite a lot yeah. of shit to say. Puns in, in hints and such. Yeah, he did it. That's, he was okay. just kind of like, what the shit? <laughs> Breaking my stuff. Like, what? And then I think that's what triggered him to like... To get interested. To get even more interested. Okay. Um, And to like, you know, we gotta keep an eye on this shit. We gotta, we gotta have a plan. Because like, something's going on. Uh, okay. I want to go with it being the ghosts. <laughs> okay. Because that's the only reason that makes it like... So fucking ridiculous that it got unpacked. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, yeah, they would have just thrown the shit in there and, like, broken it and whatnot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Percival and them don't want it there. They want it destroyed. So why would they put the shit back? They would have just destroyed the shit. Because they're petty little weirdos. <laughs> Where the ghosts are like, no, 
We want this to exist. This needs to exist I mean, as it is. Tabitha answers that question with a theory, at least, that they want, uh, when the place is bulldozed, everything to be wrecked. They, they want it to hurt. They, they don't just want it gone. They, 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 want, like, they, they want it to feel, like, cruel. Which would make sense if it wasn't for what Frank does. Yeah, yeah. In a little bit. In a little bit. But first... But first... Veronica has to text... <laughs> Veronica has to text Jughead again. So, um, he, he did research. Mm-hmm. And uh, found out that telepathic erasure is real. Yes. Possible. It's it's as real as anything as far as telepathy goes. Uh, and what he found out was that to do it, uh, the person needs to either be asleep or very distracted that they are unguarded. Distract Reggie? Impossible. Oh, you know how you do that? You hand him a wad of cash in dollar bills that he has to count. How could anyone distract Reggie Mantle in a town that has people that have boobs? <laughs> You know, Reggie comes to get it. She hands him this envelope. Oh, sorry, it's small bills. And as he's counting it, Veronica gives a nod to Jughead, who's just in the corner. And so Reggie's brain looks the way inside Betty's brain did, but the transition into it is different. Yes. I really like the way... So, so the camera pans past Jughead's head as he's looking to uh, uh, the viewer's right. And as it gets, like... In square profile, there's a crossfade, and now Jughead is looking left, and the camera is is following his gaze. So, if, like, it's for a good. moment, he's the two-faced god Janus. Yeah. And it's really good as he's looking into Mistworld uh, at a desk at Mantle Motors with uh, uh, Reggie's football helmet and his uh, uh, reading with dyslexia uh, pamphlet. And his box of comic books. His box of Reggie comics. Uh, and so he pulls, you know, he looks through them and pulls the one out that has the Hiram memory, opens it, and just tears it apart. And as he tears it, we go back to Reggie, who has, like, the static, like, jump mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, to, like, signify, you know, his brain being wiped. That he just lost the memory of the moment he learned about the hit. Yes. Veronica's, like... You okay? And he's like, yeah, great. So I just had a change of heart. Let me take that back. Also get the fuck out. <laughs> and, he's and he's like, like oh, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to go to Purcell right now and tell him the thing. You know, that that thing that I'm going to tell him. You go think about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so over at Pops, uh, this is where Archie shows up with Frank and the crew. And when they show up, the, the booths and a big pile of boxes are all outside Pops. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. they're like, what? There's a lot of stuff we gotta do. And that's when they see the ghosts, or Tabitha sees the ghosts on uh, the step, like, the doorway of Pops. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they're all like, we did this to it's, help. It's like that scene in Return of the King, but instead of the ghost, ghost killing like a big old elephant, they just, like, pack up your shit for you real nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. really cool. I wish I had those ghosts. So, uh, Cheryl and Heather are hanging out, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Cheryl's just like, you know, I was, I was very impressed by, uh, your, your knowledge, uh, but that, that, that was, a uh, necromancy, right? Death magic. Ooh, death magic. 
And this is where Heather tells us that after her mother died in Greendale, she was taken in by a coven, and she is not just a Wiccan, but she is a witch. And she also suspects that uh, Cheryl might be a witch as well. So this whole thing is obviously like hint, hint, nudge, nudge, Sabrina stuff. Yeah. But the version of Sabrina that people want on this show is just Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah. And this is not how witches work on that show. No. Being a witch is like an inheritance from like ancient bloodline immortals. You can't just be adopted and learn spells from a book. They could have ancient bloodlines of it that they weren't aware of. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sure if that's how it goes, we'll get a little bit of explanation of that. And maybe we won't, and I'll just be a, a, like, pedantic jerk about it. But, but but yeah, and there's also the whole, like, you know, by your certain birthday, you gotta, like... You gotta sign the book. You gotta sign the book, otherwise you lose your magic, and, like, it doesn't really play. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Especially because they're implying, like... It was those covens. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, so then Cheryl does this thing like, oh, I've never used that word to describe me. Haven't you? Yeah. You've used every other word in the- Are we sure we I haven't think called ourselves a witch? I think you've called yourself a sorceress a time or two. That's yeah, something. Yeah, like maybe a wizard? Like, she, Reggie would be so over you. Oh, my God. She would never call herself no. a wizard. How pedestrian. But, yeah, so, so she uh, also shows Heather how she can do fire. She called herself Queen of the Bees. She did. And I think that's a few steps above witch. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why we're so shy about it when we're <laughs> like, I am the sorceress of all blah, blah, blah type shit. And now suddenly we're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh. But so she's like, yo, Heather, can you teach me shit? And Heather's like, oh, yes. Teach you all the things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Percival's with Reggie and he's like, why do you look more perplexed than usual? <laughs> hey, hey, idiot. You're more of an idiot. Why? And so Reggie's like, you know, I think Veronica and Jughead did something to me to make me forget, but I don't know what it is. Is that possible? And so Percival's just like, hmm, interesting. Hmm, the Jones boy, yes. Uh, so Betty comes to Pops to help out. This had been set up in a previous scene where she was climbing in a bed. We didn't really talk about mm -hmm. it. All that happens is like, yeah, she, she climbs into bed with Archie because they live together. Unlike all the other times, she climbs into bed with Archie. Uh, <laughs> it's like, hey, you want some helping hands tomorrow? Like, yeah, okay. So she so shows up and uh, immediately um, is greeted by Frank and she sees his aura. Yes, yes, glowy Frank. And she uh, goes in to Archie and she's like, oh, we got a problem with your uncle. And so... They uh, should have a code word. They should have, like, a, a secret word that means I saw his aura. Aurora Borealis. <laughs> I don't know. Contained entirely within Pop's Chocolate Shop at this time of year? Seems unlikely. Archie, did you hear about the Aurora Borealis <laughs> happening today? Very shortly? Can I see it? Outside? Now? They rush out uh, as... Frank's like, hey, I'm going to drive this truck to the El Royale. And Archie's like, no, you weren't. You're going to drive it to Sweetwater River or to the dump. Give me those fucking keys. 
And so Frank is like, ah, well, you got me. Anyway, here's my big chunk of palladium I'm balling up in my fist. And he tries to punch Archie in the face, but he goes, ow! (laughs) And holds his hand. And uh, Archie's like, "Mm mm-mm, nope. Go tell your boss, this is it. I'm I'm invincible again. The battle's on. Mm Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Like... They never, at any point in the the Archie superhero uh, uh, arc we're in the middle of, has anybody really tried to keep their powers a secret? No. But it's such an established part of the genre that you imagine they did, even though they, they clearly haven't. Yeah. So anytime people just, like, talk about this openly, it seems weird. Even though there's no specific textual reason it should, it's just like, that's the way these things go. You're not supposed to... To say this in daylight time. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you think, it, yeah, there would be like a moment where Archie's like, oh, you're telling everyone. But no. But no, no like no, no. everyone knows. Not everyone knows. Ever but... since Mr. Guinness left town and, and Archie in, in his shame, everybody's been pretty open. There's no reason to keep secrets anymore. Except they are, though, because like they're not saying Jughead has superpowers. He just has. They're saying Jughead has superpowers. They're they're mystical, though. Yeah, and everyone's talking about them. Yeah, but mystical. (laughs) So uh, over at the El Royale, uh, Pops is all set up, and they are showing Pop. Uh, And he's like, wow, the colors look like the real thing. And Tabitha is like, that Benjamin Moore for the win. Because Doritos sat this one out. We needed to, to get a substitute. Uh, and the ghosts are there uh, as well. Where are the fire truck? Where am fire truck? Um, what happens if fire? Well, the fire trucks haven't been in there since he turned it into the 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 place for youth. Yeah, yeah. This is a retroactive question that's so, just occurred to me. But where am fire truck? So where are the youth? <laughs> <laughs> the kids are just gonna like play with used needles and sketch alley now. Use them as darts. Like, there's a lot of questions here. Uh, and so, uh, Tabitha's like, the final battle will be witnessed. And Pops has got to be like, what the fuck, girl? Because he don't see the ghosts. She sees them. That's what she's talking about. What do you mean he doesn't see the ghosts? He's the first person to start talking about the angel of death visiting Riverdale. So He gives her that look, not because he doesn't understand, but because you're stepping on my lines. Come on. So is he really like this whole time just like, yeah, kids, I've known this forever. What are you? Yes. Yeah. Me and Gilda talk all the time. Why do you? I hang out here. Like, these are my people. These are my friends. Marcus Lee knows everything about the Minnesota Twins. I don't know why. He's never been to Minnesota in his life or afterlife. But boy, does that man love his baseball. Uh, So Fangs comes home and Tony has a very, like, fancy, nice dinner with, like, candles on the table. And she's all like, you know, I wanted to apologize. I I haven't had enough faith in you. Mm -hmm, I've always mm -hmm. been fiercely independent. Maybe we should get married. See, when my boyfriend buys a car and quits his job in a, in the same day, that's marriage material. That's what I think. And he's like, where's this coming from? And what she doesn't tell us, we see in a scene where uh, she's talking with Janet, 
who's like, you know, one of the biggest advantages you have to trying to like keep the baby is is that you're together. Yeah. yeah. And that you uh, you have to portray a stable, unified home. And and so you you know how some people have a kid to try to save their marriage? They're having a marriage to try to save their child. Yeah, yeah. We're we're just switching things around here. And so she repeats again, Will you marry me? And we don't know what the answer is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we go to Betty. And Betty's talking with again her best friend forever, Agent Drake. She's like, I think we were wrong, because I saw the aura around my mom. And Drake's like, oh, well, your powers are a byproduct of your trauma. And she's like, oh, hold up. Not the only aura I saw. I saw another one of someone else. Uh, I hadn't seen it in who who has the gene. As she continues to talk about it, we have a flashback scene where we see her, like, walking through the bedroom and catches herself in the mirror. And she is seeing her own aura. Yes, yes. And so now she's left to wonder what exactly this aura means. Who could this person be a danger to? Their loved ones? Their family? Themselves? The end. Is Betty dangerous? A question we've been asking since the third episode of this program. Yeah. Yeah. Da da da. So darling, what did you think of chapter 110, Things That Go Bump in the Night? I liked parts of it. <laughs> and I didn't like parts of it. When is that not true? Yeah, but like I really didn't like parts of it. <laughs> <laughs> like o- overall, I liked the majority of it. I thought it was very fun. It's really that fucking Fangs plot that I just hate. It's so bad. Um, but I, I and I wanted more uh, Fantastic Foresight. It's so good. Absolutely. Just real uh, a missed opportunity to only have that be like, what, two minutes of the episode? Yeah. Like, I'm glad there was at least more Jughead and Veronica team up throughout it, but I wanted more. This is a better Fangs than we got last time we complained about Fangs, in my opinion. This Fangs is a Fangs that is very motivated, very one-track mind, that he doesn't think things through. The, the part of that that means he's willing to think, uh, uh, he's willing to ally himself with Percival, uh, uh, not trust, but just like ally himself is still not my fangs. But, but <laughs> the flaw that leads him there kind of is? I just don't like anything they've done with him this season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't feel like... Like, just because, oh, it's not as bad. Yeah, yeah. doesn't mean it's good. No, yeah. And it's just really frustrating because Mm -hmm. I think this this whole custody thing, we know Kevin is being brainwashed, which is why he's being, like, fucking awful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why do we have to try to make other characters awful to equal it out? We've had a few episodes with a degree of Kevin focus. Yeah. None of that time has been spent, like, with him really wanting a kid. No. Or thinking about what his life would be like. Or, like, when he's babysitting, having a moment of him really having a connection with this kid that he thought was going to be his, but then he didn't want. But now that it exists, you know, having that moment. Well, and he started babysitting and then got a fucking job. (laughs) And I just don't like it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's hard to get drama out of this when only one side of, of this 
seems to want the baby because they love the baby. Yes. I guess one way you can try is to imply that, well, maybe they shouldn't have the baby because they're bad. Don't do that to Fangs. Don't do that to my Fangs, Fogarty. Yeah. But I liked other parts of the episode, at least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the first time we have a clear statement on what Percival wants. Yes, ghost train. Percival Pickens wants to summon and chain the ghost train to empower himself. Yes. Is that the end? Is that a means to a further end? What does that look like? Still a lot of unanswered questions about Percival Pickens. Yes, yes. But at least we have a picture of a main point of his plan. Yes. What do you think of Heather? What do I think of Heather? (sighs) I think Heather's up to shit. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. The last time Cheryl dated somebody, it was her art dealer slash forger manager. Yes. What happened to her? She got chased into the woods, set on fire or something. She, like, ran away because crazy shit was happening. Yeah, I think maybe the woods caught on fire and chased her with wood fire. Something. Something. Why didn't she get mentioned when when we were talking about our exes with Heather? (laughs) Because it was a fling. I guess it was just a fling. But what I mean to say is that Cheryl seems to attract people who want to use Cheryl. Yes. Yeah. Heather seems to know things about Cheryl Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. she's specifically asking about to get Cheryl to talk about it more. She seems to know the answer to her questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before she asks them. Well, she's a librarian. She's she has a librarian reference material. She's a witch. There's reasons, but I'm like, "Mm, I don't trust Mm -hmm. it. I don't trust it. What what if she's like connected to Percival? Mm, what if mm-hmm. Percival's like summoned her or something? Where do you think he learned about the ghost train? Maybe, maybe he has a history with the Greendale Covens. Maybe. I think this is the best episode all season because it has bingo. Bingo! And it has butterscotch. Butterscotch! What if Juniper and Dagwood are hanging with Uncter- Uncle Dr. Curdle? Yes. What if, what if that's who's watching them? I want this so bad. I want next episode, Betty goes to, like, check on them. And she goes to, like, his apartment. And they're like, hey, can we, like, leave? Because, like, he wants to watch, like, Josie's music video for, like, the 20th time. And, like, we can't take it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Curdle looking over at them, like, playing with a a diseased, bloated corpse. He's like, don't touch that. Only I can touch that. Or or that's like Dagwood poke, wanting poke, to poke. leave. And like Juniper's like, no, he told us he'd show me how to do an autopsy. Don't ever let me leave here, Betty. I love him. Oh, darling, what do you think is coming at us in the future? Do you have any predictions? I mean, I think I do. Um, definitely Dr. Curdle Jr.'s babysitting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Hands down. They're, they're playing hide and seek inside the giant pile of dead ghoulies. And in the, like, freezer boxes? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that the ghosts of Pops will give testimony that helps find yet another serial killer. Oh. Were they all killed by a serial killer? I mean, one of them, just by the odds. I definitely think Drake is going to try to date Betty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Betty is going to learn to recalibrate her aura power by learning to no longer think like a cop. 
where everyone you see is a potential dangerous monster and you're constantly terrified to, to justify acts of violence. Yeah, okay. That perspective might be throwing off her aura power. <laughs> okay. It's not so much a prediction as a wish. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is I want Percival's ghost train to appear and I want him to be like on it. But I want him to be, like, hanging out the window, like, hooping and howling, like he's, like, riding a horse or something. And just like, yeah, Wah! yeah. Like he's riding the bomb all the way down at the end of Dr. Strangelove. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think Fangs is going to inherit Andrew's construction once Archie realizes that, you know, how much time it takes to run a youth center slash diner inside his boxing gym slash firehouse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. He'll just become like an executive and, mm-hmm, and things. Like... I, he would have time for it if it weren't for, you know, all of his mining and uh, uh, school duties as well. And football season is coming, so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about what we know is coming at us next week in Chapter 111, Blue Collar. Blue Collar is the name of a, a 70s crime drama starring Richard Pryor. Oh. It, it is set in the plants of Detroit, Michigan. It was actually filmed in uh, Detroit. Oh. Yeah, Harvey Keitel plays a guy from Hamtramck. Ah. Yeah, yeah. My roots. Mm-hmm. I may never live there, but, you know. Also, uh, the, the guy from Alien is in it. Uh, Yafet Kodo. Oh. Yeah. Oh. He dies. Spoilers for this movie from the 70s from the the screenwriter of uh, uh, Taxi Driver. So they show Hamtramck in it? Do they actually film in Hamtramck? That would actually be really cool. They filmed in Detroit. Whether they filmed any Hamtramck scenes on location specifically in Hamtramck, I don't know. But they filmed in Detroit. Could be like, oh, that's where my grandma lived. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's where she bought all her lotto tickets that then she hid under the bed and in closets. (laughs) But this trailer does make us happy because Forsyth the Fantastic returns. Fuck yeah! There's also a face book. That is to say, a book bound in three human faces. I'm going to blame Heather for that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The sort of stuff that you cannot have in a public library, that's for sure. Archie uh, tells us that Riverdale is at a crossroads and stands on train tracks. Uh, Tony slaps Kevin in the face over their custody fight. Uh, Veronica is having to tell the crowd to not heckle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, as we also see Jughead in his serpent jacket and his beanie from behind as he walks through a doorway in like the foggy mind land. And yeah, foggy mind land is part pops. So what I think this episode is about, my prediction based on the trailer Next week is about Percival having a brain fight with Jughead. Oh, yeah. During Jughead's act. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So if you want to watch next week's episode early, there's about three or four episodes of the show Legion that are going to be a lot better. Because it's one of the best television shows ever made. Legion's really good. (laughs) I mean, it probably won't be uh, represented metaphorically by a musical number. Well, Riverdale likes their musical Riverdale numbers. Riverdale does like, like their it, mu- musical it could. numbers. But they don't also have them animated, projected in the sky. No, that's unfortunate. Legion's so good. Legion is Legion really is good. Legion is so good. You know what else is good? Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> Especially the train scene. Is there anybody in common 
between them? Like, I'm pretty sure Tim Blake Nelson doesn't show up in Legion, but, like, if someone told me he did, I would believe them, I and I just forgot, you I know? I wouldn't question it, yeah. We'll say, I love, uh, in Legion, his fashion. Yeah. Like, I was like, I would wear his clothes. <laughs> He's got good clothes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. The main character, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. What's his name? David. David. I like David's clothes. I hate what the girl wears. I love David's clothes. <laughs> I mean, I could start naming other characters that I think dress really well, but that would be spoilery. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would. Okay, there's a guy named Farouk who wears some really sharp suits. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, well, thank you all for joining us. We will be back uh, uh, next week. How are we spending our Memorial Day? <laughs> Talk about this shit. Talk about Riverdale. Uh, uh, so if you want to support us in our uh, endeavor f- as we enter the twilight years of Riverdale. Yes. because should there, mention. should mention that they have announced that next season, the seventh season, will be the last of Riverdale. Mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. means it will be the last of Sex Archie. But it also means a, a planned ending. They know when they're going out, which is always a good sign. Yes. We'll see what shape that takes in a little over a year's time. You know, don't don't start playing the violins yet. Yeah. But it is news that should be shared. So in like a year and a half. <laughs> with a lot more time on our hands. What are we going to do? Make out? I mean, maybe. They aren't doing it on the show anymore. <laughs> we got to pick up the slide. Anymore. Like, as we gear up for that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it means that with the end in sight, your friends that, you know, don't like to watch things until they're complete mm-hmm. can soon come join us on this yes, journey. Yes, yes. Now so, is the time to start catching up. So tell your friends and family mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. this wonderful podcast. And why not leave a rating and review? You, you can... Uh, uh... Uh, what, while we're, we're talking about swan songs, you, you can start uh, being retrospective and, and talking about how, you know, we're most of the way there. You can talk about how we have given you seven years of our life. <laughs> and you know what? I wouldn't do it for, for a nicer group of people. A ruder group of people, maybe. I, I like to live dangerously. <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> you can also follow us at sex underscore Archie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm cry with us as as this journey comes to an end again in like a year and a half mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not really anytime soon and look forward to the uh, uh sixth and final musical episode in uh, uh season seven american idiot the musical the riverdale episode <laughs> plant my flag in that one no, right now it's gonna be cyclone whatever <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> Percival's train is actually a roller coaster. Oh my god, yes! (laughs) And it's like this fun show, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. creepy-ass carnival shit we got to deal with. Nice. I would love to see... I want the ghost train to be a fucking roller coaster. I would love to see some sort of roller coaster manufacturer product placement. I want to see if SNS Worldwide gets in on this. (laughs) I don't think Intamin would do it. Intamin would not. But SNS, I can see. Yeah. Yeah. I want someone to make a comment about like, oh, this ride reminds me of a ride back at my park. And then some other person to tell them how they're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck that dude at Cedar Point. 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry you got mansplained about the difference between a laminated wood track from uh, uh, Rocky Mountain coasters and their steel box track. You know what, dude? I don't fucking care. They're wood and they go upside down. I don't care. I'm gonna go ride this shit. <laughs> I wasn't actually really talking to you. And with that, I'm Grant. And I'm Elena. And from us here at Sex Archie. The Pops Continuum. Just a little extra research here after the outro song. Uh, interesting fact about Ride of the Cyclone, one of the, the uh, dead kids that the show's about uh, uh, trying to enter life again is named Constance Blackwood. If that name sounds familiar, it, uh, it was also the name of Father Blackwood's late wife from the early parts of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yes, the name originated in... In the musical, Ride the Cyclone, I see you, Roberto. I see what you're doing.